0: So just with all of the drug use, it comes to a point, like I told you, you have to uh, flip this for this, get this money over here. This person is trying to get over on you. This person is stealing from you. This person wants you dead. This person, it's just uh, craziness of a world. And it came to a point where I was sick and tired of being sick and tired. Mm -hmm. Um, My mom, so we kind of skipped over that. So my mom, she became a mailman. Uh, in her active addiction and I was on intense probation. Uh, she was taking mail home and I was up all night on drugs and I was acting, she was about to go to work. All of a sudden I hear glass breaking. So I act like I'm sleeping and I woke up with four guns pointed to my head saying, don't move. Uh, my mom got caught with a lot of drugs on her and they uh, hauled out eight bag, black bags, garbage bags full of mail um, and they let her stay but then she got sentenced to federal time two years mm-hmm. and I lived with my grandma once my mom was out of the picture I turned grandma's house into the trap house my grandma passes away I get kicked out of the house now I'm living on the street again I'm homeless again um the lady I was dating at the time um thank god I was um I was in my girlfriend's at the time uh, backyard and I was sleeping and I got like tapped on my chest with a gun to my head and said, "If you weren't at my family's house right now, you'd be dead."
1: Hey, everybody! Thank you for joining us for today's episode of Real Estate Disruptors. Today we got Patrick Leganzoff with Sober Investor, and Patrick is yet one more player in the Phoenix market. We're going to talk about how he went from a homeless drug addict to owning multiple eight-figure businesses. Now, I'm on a mission to create 100 millionaires. The information on the show alone is enough to help you become a millionaire in the next five to seven years if you'll take consistent action you will become one. And we also know the fastest way to become a millionaire is to get good at sales. Our sales community has been up and running for just a few months now, and our community members are already closing more sales. If you want to join sales assassins from across the country, we invite you to join us at salesdisruptors.com. And the show is brought to you by our sister company, InvestorLift. Get access to, ca- to millions of cash buyers across the country. Go to InvestorLift.com, put in disruptors to get 10% off. And guys, if you get value today, please hit that subscribe button right now. That way we can all grow together. You ready? All right, so we typically start off with what got you in real estate, but you've got a very interesting background, right? We really went hard on it, on, on the title. So uh, when you and I were talking, you've had a pretty rough upbringing. So homeless, drug addict, felon, where do we start?
0: Yeah, where do we start at? <clears throat> um, so do you want me to go from the childhood? Where would you like me to start
1: at? Um, well, let's start off in Maryville. I think that's what we, we have in the notes.
0: Yeah, so Maryville, uh, I grew up, um, I moved there uh, from Colorado with my mom when I was one. Um, broken home, uh, mom, dad separated. We were living with my uh, grandmother. And uh, to me, it was like a normal normal childhood. And then once I got older... Um, started seeing more things um, all of my best friends down the street they were all three years older than me so I got introduced to everything at a very young age mm-hmm. um, I started smoking weed at like age 10 and Ten. Um, age 10 um, and it was my best friend's dad who yeah um, and one time my my mom was in the hospital and I uh, I knew that she smoked weed because I could smell it. So I went in there, tried to find some, found something else, didn't know what it was, took it to the older friends. Um, they gave me money for it. And uh, that night, I spent the night at a friend's house. And um, I woke up, and all of them were acting really weird. I'm like, what is going on? They're like, try this. I was like, well, oh, thank you, not for me. Uh, three more times, peer pressure kicked in. And I tried meth for the first time at age 11. and. Uh, my life changed forever at that, at that point, man.
1: That was the thing you got from your mom?
0: Uh, Coming to find out, that's what uh, that I got from my mom. Uh, now that I know everybody who was involved in my life, mm-hmm. down to my babysitter, down to the lady who cut my hair, anybody who was involved that my mom brought around that was an adult, she was the dealer on the block, and she was dealing to all of these individuals. Your mom was a supplier? Yes.
1: Got it. Yes. Okay. So, right, pretty early in your life, you said you were using it. I mean, and, and it changed your life. Mm-hmm. In what ways did this change your life?
0: Um, when I first started out, it was uh, I felt like Superman, invincible and ready to take on the world and very confident in everything that I was doing. But it, it robbed me of my childhood. Mm-hmm. Um, being addicted to uh, a hard drug at such a young age, you can't go get a job. Uh, to be able to supply your habit, so you have to yeah. come up with creative ways to uh, make money.
1: Yeah, it's pretty hard to fund that.
0: <laughs> yes, well, yeah. legally. Um, yeah. So uh, I was still. I mean, uh, I was in and out of juvenile every summer from uh, age like twelve to eighteen. Every mm. summer I would go to juvenile. I spent probably six Fourth of July's um, locked in a cell as a juvenile. Um, so that's why I celebrate it heavily now and uh, i was still on the basketball team still playing basketball but i just wasn't doing hanging out with the your normal crowd so it definitely stripped me of my childhood because you come an adult really quick Mm -hmm. with the people that you're associating with to get drugs and the creative ways you come up with making money to get those drugs
1: what are some of those creative
0: ways (laughs) uh at a very young age i was uh Stealing cars, man. I was stealing uh, cars every single night. Um, The people that I was involved with, there was a thing called jingler keys back then. One key can open up almost any vehicle. And uh, I was definitely doing that. And then you just find uh, just hustles, man. Uh, People that would go steal stuff from stores or go steal stuff from people. If I had the drugs, I would trade them drugs for the thing. And then I would go sell the thing. And it was just a revolving door of everyday life of just doing that.
1: You knew how to hustle.
0: One hundred percent. You have to. <laughs>
1: How much do you think that's played a factor in your in your life?
0: Uh, it's a huge factor. Um, just just being street smart in general, learning that side of things, knowing uh, when people do stuff intentionally, when they're trying to use you, when you're whatever the situation is, you get to learn to read people, mm-hmm. and that definitely helps in sales and in business. And just being a hustler, I mean, you learn to negotiate and uh, get more for your stuff and get less for their stuff Mm -hmm. and um it's definitely it's it's your own business um you're an entrepreneur at age 11 hustling with grown adults man it's crazy
1: so and you know you guys might be wondering like why are we talking about this you know like it seems like an odd topic and there's like a lot of clickbait behind this but you know the reality is for me i think there's so much opportunity for everybody it doesn't matter what your upbringing was You know one thing that we hear a lot is like well i didn't have a shot because of this because of that right i was in this situation or i didn't uh you know i didn't grow up in the right neighborhoods or whatever like that's the reason why i harp so much on this and and one of the reasons why i'm actually really opposed to regulating the wholesaling industry because once you start regulating it then if you're a felon you no longer get to do this business right So, like for me I, i i think everyone should have an opportunity And so that's the reason why I'm spending so much time, you know, talking about your background and and how much has affected you.
0: Why does a felon couldn't do uh, wholesaling anymore?
1: Uh, Well, if they regulate it the way that you become a licensed realtor, right? Mm -hmm. There there are a lot of challenges, a lot of obstacles, right? Not to say that you couldn't do it, right? You're able to do it. But there are a lot more obstacles, right? There's a lot more explanations. There's a lot more hurdles you've got to jump through, right? So that's the reason why. Right. I think with regulation, it comes more problems uh, there. I mean, could good things come from it? Sure. But there could be a lot of unintended consequences where people, well-meaning people that have reformed, right, that have paid their dues, paid their price, and should have an opportunity to get back to civilization, society, don't get that opportunity, right? Like, how hard is it for a convicted felon to get a regular job?
0: Uh, it's funny in my experience because my background was in the restaurant industry. Mm-hmm. Restaurant industries don't do background checks. Restaurants First, don't. Restaurants don't. And then uh, even a hotel. I got a in-room dining management mm-hmm. position. Yeah. Three-time felon. Mm-hmm. Freaking for It was a five-diamond resort yeah. uh, here locally. And then I'm also, again, three-time felon. And I did get my real estate license here right. in Arizona. So, um, but, yeah. Yeah. Um, it hasn't stopped me on too many things, mm-hmm. and I, like, I started a company my first year sober, so if you're a felon, you can always start a company. Well, start a company. <laughs> right?
1: start a company. But if I'm saying if there's more regulations, what kind of issues can, there, can arise?? Right? Like I um, there's a guy I feel terrible about this, I don't remember his name anymore. Mm-hmm. David something. Uh, he, was, uh, he was on our basketball team right when we were playing intramurals. He was on our basketball team, played for the Cardinals, you know, and he got into a bar fight defending his friend. And after that, he got a convicted for a felony. He did some time and couldn't get any kind of jobs that paid him what he was looking to get. Right. Wow. Like, so you're definitely, your options are limited. Yes. Right. So again, that's the reason why I talk about this because I think that I would love for everyone to have the opportunity. And there are some challenges that uh, present themselves if regulations arise, but also, you know, your story is inspiring for someone that's like, Hey, I can't use, I can't be successful because of X, Y, and Z. It's like, no, let's talk about all the bad stuff to show that there's opportunity if you want it. Right. So um, we talked about the addictions, the felonies, three of them. Yes. You want to share how you got into those?
0: Um, All three of them were uh, caught with drugs on me and, Mm Distribute. Um, one of them was distribution, a small amount, but most of them were just because I got caught with drugs on me. Mm-hmm. Uh, nothing else outside of that. I think they are, uh, all three are felony sixes. Mm-hmm. But um, me, wrong place, wrong time. But. Right.
1: <laughs> yeah. What do you mean, wrong place, wrong time?
0: I did, they, they caught me. <laughs> so I was at the wrong place at the wrong time. So yeah. it's just um, me being dumb and carrying stuff on, uh, on me and mm-hmm. uh, not caring. About the law
1: (laughs) right Um, and then there were stretches of homelessness Uh,
0: yes um, a few times so uh, when I was 16 I was kicked out uh, for the first time I was homeless there I was sleeping in abandoned houses uh, apartments for sale people's couches anywhere that would let me uh, get in um, let me sleep Mm -hmm. Um, came back home A lot of craziness happened, and then uh, before I went to Tennessee, there I caught one, one more, one more charge, and uh, and then I caught one in Tennessee as well. Mm
1: -hmm. So none of this here is like a precursor. Like, okay, obviously this guy's going to be a real estate mogul. (laughs) No, right. So what changed? changed.
0: Um, so just with the, all of the drug use, it comes to a point, like I told you, you have to uh, flip this for this, get this money over here. This person is trying to get over on you. This person is stealing from you. This mm-hmm. person wants you dead. This person, it's just uh, craziness of a world. And it came to a point where I was sick and tired of being sick and tired. Mm-hmm. Um, my mom, so we kind of skipped over that. So my mom, she became a mailman Uh, in her active addiction and I was on intense probation Uh, she was taking mail home and one night
1: I was taking mail home yeah for her own purposes Uh, the job was
0: too hard for her so she was burning mail in the backyard but also taking birthday cards and whatever Mm -hmm. Um, and I was up all night on drugs, and I was acting. She was about to go to work. All of a sudden, I hear glass breaking, so I act like I'm sleeping, and I woke up with four guns pointed to my head saying, don't move. And um, I was like, oh, my God. Postal Service has their own police department, their own force, task force. It says postal on the back. Oh, okay. And as soon as I walk out, my intense probation officer is standing there. I was like, what did I do? She's like, it's not you. And I'm like, thank God. (laughs) Uh, my mom got caught with a lot of drugs on her, and they uh, hauled out eight bag black bags, garbage bags, full of mail. Um, and they let her stay, but then she got sentenced to federal time, two years. Mm-hmm. And I lived with my grandma. Once my mom was out of the picture, I turned grandma's house into the trap house. My grandma passes away. I get kicked out of the house. Now I'm living on the street again. I'm homeless again. Um, the lady I was dating at the time... Um, thank God I was um, I was in my girlfriend's at the time uh, Backyard and I was sleeping and I got Like tapped on my chest with a gun to my head and said if you weren't at my family's house right now You'd be dead somebody who I was competing with was a leader of a gang and I was dating his niece And he pretty much said you'd be dead if you weren't here right now or if you weren't at families So then I leave uh, I go to uh, Tennessee Uh, for a change my dad me and my dad were on and off Mm -hmm. and uh, when I got to my dad he pretty much he was a part of that drug life as well and he pretty much said you got three weeks uh, to get a job get your own place and get out of here because I got my own life and my little girls here and he helped me get the job he helped me get the place and then we started building our relationship back up in uh, Tennessee
1: got it Uh, for those that are less familiar with the slang trap house.
0: Oh. <laughs> trap house. So my grandmother uh she was a larger woman so she never left her room. So uh every room was something different. So mm. um trap house uh, means a place where people can come get drugs, they could use drugs, they can come fence their stolen goods. They it's just an, a revolving door of a lot of shady uh it's characters. A one-stop shop. One-stop shop, man. And uh yeah, it got dicey. Yeah. Okay. Sure. So
1: you go to Tennessee, <clears throat> is this when you get clean? Is this when the story turns around? No. No, no, no. Uh
0: I'll fast forward a little bit through this. So Tennessee, um, my first job was a bar back and um the bartender said, Hey, there's a line of coke on for you on the toilet in the in the over here, and here's a shot. Let's get to work. And I'm like, I've made it. This is the place. Um so I just went off to the races again the out there. Um, yeah. just using partying and out there it's no joke. Like, uh, in Memphis um I got held at gunpoint four different times uh robbed two times um and I was messing with some bad characters out there my mom had gotten sober at the time so uh she flew me back out to Arizona and um I'm still using I'm out here in Arizona and this is what get introduces me to sober living Mm -hmm. um I thought it was funny uh the funniest thing in the world to go to her job she was the manager and now she lives at a sober living uh as the manager on-site manager and I thought it was funny just to come really messed up uh to all the sober people Mm -hmm. and while I was there people I didn't understand it but they would slide me their like card or their phone number hey if you ever need to talk here's a number hey if you ever want to blah 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 and um i continued to use and then i got sick and tired of being sick and tired and i didn't want to do it anymore one of those phone numbers of those people who slid that number to me i called it and she came and picked me up and uh she tried to take me to this detox place i thought it was the scariest thing in the world like uh, i walked in there was a guy peeing in the corner people squirming on the floor and i'm like this isn't for me i said f that i'm not going and then um I woke up because you can't just go to a detox on meth. You have to be the alcohol or something else. So they filled me up with alcohol. So I blacked out and I woke up in a house. I didn't know where I was. And, um, like three or four days later, I got in, uh, put into a inpatient program to, uh, for sobriety and did the whole program, um, and learned, was learning a lot on how to try to live sober
1: <laughs> and that's when you turn things around
0: that w- once i got into the program that's when um, i started to turn yeah. things around
1: and then when I mean, you're the sober investor mm-hmm. this is your mom was running a sober living home yes so i didn't know what sober living was right i was doing ppc marketing right buying houses whatever and the first time i went to a sober living house like what the hell is this these people just pay you cash Per room, <laughs> this is ridiculous. And I didn't know what to do with it, right? Like I'm a licensed realtor, I'm wholesaling. I had no idea what to do to do with this. So I called up Jamil. Perfect. Like, you got a guy for this? It's like, oh, I got lots of guys for this. Right, and I remember we wholesaled that one. I think we split, I think we split 50K on that one. Right, because the numbers were just absurd. And I'm just looking at this like, how can I possibly buy this house for like 150 K but it cash flows like 4,500 a month. Like this, the math just doesn't work. Wish I kept it. (laughs) Right. So, but that's that. that was another story for another time. So, all right. You get clean. Mm -hmm. Then what?
0: Uh, I get clean. Um, Funny enough, my, who is my wife today, we actually met in that rehab. Mm-hmm. And uh, everybody voted against it. But uh, I started working a program, started learning
1: AA. Voting against what? Uh,
0: when you're uh, new in AA, uh, you get a sponsor who takes you through the steps that you bounce your ideas off of, and they kind of teach you the way of AA. And both of our sponsors, you're not supposed to get into a relationship for the first year. And we got into a relationship the first day. Week out, mm-hmm. and it's just uh, her trying to get sober, me trying to get sober. Usually, addicts get in together, you guys use together if you fight, something like that happens. But we've been together now 10 plus years. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, they went against that. But uh, the first two months of me being sober, mm-hmm. um, I got a good job. Um, I started a vaping company, and right. the vaping company, uh, I started it in my freaking uh, kitchen. Mm-hmm. And going to all these AA meetings, I was freaking slinging uh, e juice uh, for the vaping. The vaping was kind of newer back then, mm-hmm. and then I stepped up, went into an actual lab. I ended up uh, netting six figures my first year on uh, the vaping company I had. So that was like, oh my god, freaking entrepreneurship! I can put my my bad my skills that I was using for evil to good mm-hmm. and uh, be successful with it.
1: Right. Um, So you got your vaping company. Mm -hmm. And that's humming along. Then what?
0: Um, Again, so my mom worked at this uh, sober living. It was uh, one of the largest uh, facilities at that time. It was uh, like 43 beds. It was a main house that had a three bed, an office with a pool. And then there was a bunch of like little cottages, nine cottages around it. 43 people, and when she ran down the numbers, she was getting paid minimum wage, like, I don't know, nine bucks, Mm and there was one other guy that was getting paid nine bucks, and I was like, how much is it per bed? And she started running down those numbers to me, and I'm like, this thing is grossing half a million with two people doing very little. And Mm -hmm. I was like, that's amazing, and it's helping all of these people. So that's what got that bug into my head. That didn't come till a little bit later, um, I've always been addicted. Uh, I traded one addiction for another. I've always been addicted to money and mm-hmm. work I could work 20 hours a day if I didn't have a family and be mm-hmm. okay with it. Yeah um, So I start I got A whole bunch of different jobs. So I had the vaping company. I was bartending and serving and I was also doing catering mm-hmm. uh, bartending and serving and I was doing a promotional sign company on the weekend so I had like five jobs and I did that for good four years just Mm. grinding and then got to a management position at a restaurant. That's what my whole goal was to be a manager of a restaurant. And, uh, it was not all what it was cracked up to be freaking constantly seeing my, uh, bartenders walk with more money than me. Mm -hmm. And one third of the time that I spend in that building, I was like, this is horrible. (laughs) Um, So how I got to, um, again, workaholic, and it came to a point where I wasn't really doing AA. I wasn't doing anything but work, work, work. I was missing the dance recitals. I was missing the soccer games. I was missing everything. So in 2019, so I got sober in 2013. So 2019, fast forward, um, I decided to put God, AA, family, uh, friends, and then work. Mm -hmm. 2019 between my wife and I was our worst year financially we made $30,000 between the two of us but it was my best year with my kids with uh, AA God and all of that and so I started I've always always wanted to be in real estate Mm -hmm. and I wanted to be able to get my license so nobody could had to tell me what a good area was or uh, the comps or anything like that so I had some downtime Mm -hmm. so I started to do the Uh, real estate or the course and um, I googled can a felon in Arizona get his real estate license Mm -hmm. everything that i seen that day said yes and I was like cool so I spent the money took the tests passed it did one more Google search and it said "Eh, you might not be able to and I'm like dang it man so uh, I started the process of getting my Record set aside. You can't get a expunged here in Arizona. You can get your record set aside. So Mm -hmm. I started that process. Right. And that was a long process.
1: (laughs) Yeah. How long was that process?
0: The process, uh, I'm going to say it was like four or five months Mm -hmm. of me every single day looking, 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 and still nothing.
1: But you were just waiting on somebody.
0: Just waiting for a letter in the mail, waiting for them to approve my stuff getting Mm -hmm. set aside because I petitioned the court on my own. Somebody said – I'll show you how to do it. So I did all of the court paperwork myself Mm -hmm. and petitioned the judge to set it aside. So I Mm -hmm. didn't know if I did it right. I didn't they didn't say yes. They didn't say no. It was just a waiting game.
1: Right. Yeah. So then eventually it gets set aside. Yes. Is this when you and I meet?
0: Before it got set aside.
1: Before it got set aside? Yes. Okay. So we met. Yes. Uh you wanna share how we met? Absolutely.
0: Um, so again, I was doing, uh, waiting on my record to be set aside mm-hmm. and I do catering, bartending mansions and stuff like that. I was on my way to one stop. My boss called me and said, Hey, I'm so sorry. Last minute I need you to go here. I looked up the property. It was like a $4 million property. I was like, cool. I'm going to make some money tonight. <laughs> I go, I'm setting up and I happen to see a cornhole game with like a, a house logo on it. So I looked it up and it was Stunning Homes Realty, and the owner is Steve, and I was like, that is my contact. <laughs> and I don't know how to talk real estate at this point. So you come back, I'm like, so you're in real estate, and you just giggle and laugh, and I told you, uh, I lied to you, sorry, I'm <laughs> gonna uh, confess to you now. Um, I told you I had my real estate license. Yeah. And uh, you're like, well, you're in luck, because the largest investors, companies in the country are gonna be here tonight. Yeah. And I mean Jamil's, your Pace Morbys, your Elijah Rubens, your Templeton Walkers, your all these people I don't know at the time. Yeah. Everybody who came up to the bar, what do you do in real estate? Do you have a business card? <laughs> and at the end of it, um, you weren't allowed to have your phone, and you told me to put your number down. But I wrote your number, and uh, we were supposed to have an interview for me to hang my license with mm-hmm. you that Monday. Right. But my record wasn't set aside yet, yeah. so I felt like a piece of shit. Coming, uh, went home, and I was like, man, I just lied to this dude. There's no way. And like two days later, my record gets set aside. Mm-hmm. I call you, hang right. my license with you, and then take the disruptors course, and it changed everything forever.
1: Yeah. So I remember he's like, hey, you know, so you're you're in real estate. Yeah, I'm in real estate. Like, so like, you know, what do you do? I was like, look, and you know, for everyone's watching, this is my 40th birthday party, right? Like, yep. I don't celebrate birthdays like i think it's like whatever but you know my cousin did this crazy thing for his 40th birthday he did an airbnb for a, at a mansion it's like ah, it's cool we'll do the same thing so we did the same thing and so yeah like you got to meet a bunch of my family right my brothers wife. yeah, yeah all my brothers wife kids and it's like yeah you know it just so happens that we got some of the top realtors and wholesalers coming tonight <laughs> right so yeah we, we mentioned jamil templeton uh pace um and then we had who else we had Everybody. Batch people, right? Everybody, oh and, yeah,
0: Jesse Burrell, freaking yeah, everybody.
1: And it was like, uh, and what I thought was great was, again, watching you interact uh, with everyone that came to the uh, to get some uh, get a drink. And I think one thing you, I asked you afterwards, like, hey, you know, how, how what do you think? It's like the conversations at this party That's is, got is yeah. different than other conversations I bartend, right? So like, I know this is the right place.
0: So the the back end of that mm-hmm. I've I was waiting on my real estate license so I've done YouTube searched everything known to man I thought wholesaling was a big gimmick f- the astro flipping was a big gimmick <laughs> I was getting emails daily from Sperber and I don't even know what I signed up for and I thought it was all huge gimmick mm-hmm. But the conversations that were happening, yeah, I just flipped an eight unit and made a quick 800 here. And, oh, I just did this. Oh, I just hold and made a quick da-da-da. And I was just like, oh, my God. And then at the end, um, I don't know if it was Jamil, but you guys came to me and said, we need 30 shots right now at the end. And, I mean, I had one shaker, and I'm sitting here trying to do these shots and passing around. And I think it was Jamil who did a toast. It, said,
1: it was Elijah. Elijah. It was, yeah, salute.
0: And they said that they wouldn't be here if it wasn't for you. Yeah. And I was like, "Whatever I got to do to be a part of this, I'm going to do it." So. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So pretty fortuitous. I'm glad you were there.
0: <laughs> it yeah. was. Uh, it changed changed everything. And then taking your disruptors course, fire hose at my face. Never made a cold call in my life. But the action that I did take from the what I learned at your disruptors course uh, changed everything for me.
1: Yeah. And you took a lot of action too, though, right? I mean, that's the big key was that you're showing up every single week. I think that's the biggest thing. Because there are a lot of people that say, I want it. And that's kind of where it stops, right? A lot of people say they want to be successful. I, I make this joke. A lot of people want to be successful in the same way as I want a six-pack. Right? Like, it'd be pretty cool. <laughs> but I'm not going to do the work necessary to get a six-pack, right? So, I mean, hats off to you. Um, I mean, you, you came and you did the work. So, I think... Talk about your first deal that you did once. Once uh, we'll, we'll save the realtor conversation for another time, right? Let's talk about your first investment deal.
0: Um, so again, from your uh, from the action that I took, I came into the office. I did the the text blasting, and mm-hmm. I found a deal. It said it was worth eight hundred. He wanted six hundred. I'm like, oh my god, I got a deal! I came into this office. Um, and somebody said, "Oh, call this guy," and it was Zach Keeps, right. and because um, he's the biggest buyer. And I called him, and uh, just a weird coincidence, I ended up serving him that same night, mm-hmm. and pitched him the really? idea. Yeah.
1: Oh yeah, I remember that because you were yeah you'd mentioned <laughs> that you were gonna be going to his place. Yeah.
0: Uh, no, he was said he was gonna call me back, and uh, I. Went to, to my shift, still serving, and a guy walks in with roses, and I'm like, why does he look familiar? I went back to my phone. I was like, oh my God, that's the guy I sent the deal to. I paid one of the servers 20 bucks to wait on that guy, um, and it was his mom's birthday saying happy birthday, and I pitched him the idea of a sober living. At mm-hmm. first, he was like, uh eh. but then I got to talk to him even more, and he said, if you come to this address with $5,000, um, it's yours. I'll give you an opportunity. I didn't have $5,000 after I pay. I, I think I borrowed money for the disruptors course. And then I didn't have that money. Mm-hmm. So I borrowed money from my mom and my mother-in-law to get that first house. Mm-hmm. And um, that first house was uh, uh, February of mm-hmm. 2020. And um, first week filled up, everything great. But um, a week later, I called for rent to the manager. and He's not picking up. I go over there and the guy opens up the door with a vodka bottle in his hand and he's like a big MMA muscle wrestling dude. I'm like, Oh my God. Okay. Um, come to find out the manager was letting him a drink, do drugs, sell drugs out of the house. The manager took off with the rent money and took everything out of the room. Um, called another guy to come manage. Everything was good. But again, February of 2020, good old COVID hit Mm -hmm. and uh, every single person in my house uh, at my sober living, uh, lost their job. And I lost my serving job. So I'm just like, I just borrowed money for this first first house. And I was just like, God, whatever you need me to do, I'm not kicking these guys out. Let's figure it out. One of the guys went to a temp service agency um, around the corner, got hired at Amazon. Mm-hmm. Everybody in the house followed suit and everybody caught up, paid me back. And then awesome. uh, by August of 2020, I had 10 homes, mm-hmm. all uh, doing a rental arbitrage from Zach mm-hmm. Keeps. And, um, that's, I ended up getting a contract, um, from, a, a program because they were turning down people. I'm like, why are you turning down people? And they were like, because we have nowhere to send them. And I was just like, what if I can provide a house for you completely furnished? And you now know you have 10 beds, but you're going to pay me the same thing, whether there's zero people in there or there's 10 people in there. How's that sound? They're like, okay. And I was like, how's 10,000? They're like, we'll take five, and I'm like, holy moly! Mm -hmm. So, five houses. Now I'm collecting fifty thousand from them. One check every month. I don't have to chase anybody Mm -hmm. down. I'm like, this is amazing.
1: But before we get like before continue that, right? So your first one was Mm -hmm. Zach, and before even the big Russian dude with the vodka, right? Before that, you've got a property now. Mm -hmm. This is what. You said you said this is 2019 right 2020 is when I got the first property 2020 Mm -hmm. and it was 2013 when you came back to your mom Mm -hmm. and she was in a sober living home Mm -hmm. And you said this this is it. This is what I'm gonna do So seven years later you own your first one How were you feeling?
0: It it was amazing. Um it was. It's a bunch of mixed feelings because knowing me, I'm a workaholic, I told myself, even though I had my bartending serving job, mm-hmm. I told myself, I'm just going to get three of these to replace my income and then I'm going to quit this job. Knowing me, I would have done them both mm-hmm. and would have rode that out until who knows how long. But with COVID happening, it forced me to only focus on me and mm-hmm. my abilities and I think Thank God for that. But it was a bunch of mixed feelings. Yes, I finally got my first one. It's all coming together. And then COVID happening, me losing my job, everybody in the house losing their job. And it's just like, God, whatever.
1: Well, this is the crap that happens when you get in real estate. It's
0: like, oh my God, there's a bunch of all just right. roadblocks.
1: There are. Because everyone thinks like, I just got to get a seller to answer the phone. And you get a seller to answer the phone. But now I got to get the seller to agree to meet with me. Like, okay, got it. Got it. I got to get the seller to sign. All right, I got that. Now I got to move this deal. Right. I got that. Oh, they bailed on closing. Like there's this so many, there's always so many places where you feel like I got it, but you get this curveball Cause you don't know what you don't know. Right. And you had something terrible with COVID, right? Like that, that whole deal. But when was the moment that you realized, man, this is, this is it. Like what I set out for in 2013, like this is finally real. When did that happen for you?
0: when all of the guys in my house that had just lost their job went to the temp agency to uh, get a job at Amazon, all of them coming home were actually, they're working a program, they're all buying cars, just seeing the evolution, the, them evolve into productive members uh, of society. Mm-hmm. Um, just seeing that, being able to be a part of that and wanting to multiply that feeling and that uh, sober living as mm-hmm. many times as possible it was uh it was at that moment,
1: yeah, so would you I maybe mean, you could process it what what was your what were you experiencing when that happened
0: the the feeling or mm. yeah um just knowing everything was going to be okay. We're still struggling financially because 2019 we made 30,000 and we borrowed money to get this first house. My wife, she will let me risk the last penny we own. I've rolled the dice a million times and she's good. She just asked, I just want my one vacation a year (laughs) and make sure we're taken care of. Mm -hmm. Um, So just risking all of that and freaking knowing that I can do this and something like COVID might stop me from it. It was just like, I can't let that happen, man. Mm -hmm. Um, So just processing of how I'm going to multiply this, how I'm going to take care of my family, how much of an amazing experience this is, and then um, you, uh, I forgot to, we skipped over that part, but um, being a go-giver and really honing in on that. Mm -hmm. Um, I skipped over a a, a crucial part that I usually say in podcasts. Um, When I first went with your brokerage, Uh, I asked you, um, how do I become one of your millionaires? And you said, give me three years. And I wanted to do in half the time, Mm -hmm. but I would, you'd come. Um, I don't know if it's like this now, but, um, when I was a part of your brokerage, I get access to you for free and people Mm -hmm. pay a lot of money for that. And I got it for free and I would come in and I would ask you all of these lavish questions and you would steer me be like, Hey, go read this book first. And I think one of the first books was The Go-Giver. And then uh, the one that changed everything for me was The uh, Miracle Morning. Mm -hmm. Um, You knew I was not ready to receive the information I was seeking, and you pushed me uh, to get me ready. Mm -hmm. And I I say this all the time. I was very upset. After reading The Miracle Morning, I was like, hey, Steve, I'm waking up at 5 a.m. now. And you're like, oh, that's that's cool. He was like, millionaires wake up at 5, billionaires wake up at 4. And I was like, man. <laughs> so I started waking up at 4.30. It was a happy medium for me. But uh, really, truly living the go-giver mentality mm-hmm. and um, making sure I'm in that mindset and just Go giving, not expecting anything in return. AA, the Big Book teaches you the same principles, mm-hmm. but just to actually live them um, full heartedly and know that God got you no matter what happens. So, it was a lot of mixed feelings on that first property with COVID yeah. and all of the unknowns happening.
1: Right. So you you, you take that it works, mm-hmm. and you multiply that. How many of those did you do with arbitrage before you get the? before you, you went with the, that big client again that, that gave you those five.
0: were all arbitrage as well. Um, so my model still today man arbitrage and I have 34 properties I own 10 of them the rest are arbitraged mm-hmm. 34 properties in Arizona. Um, so I still love that model um, but all of them were arbitraged mm-hmm. to get that 50,000 I didn't have no houses available. I started calling Airbnbs saying, hey, will you let me rent monthly? This is what I'm going to do. Are you okay with that? And I ended up finding an Airbnb person that had two houses right across the street from each other. Mm-hmm. And she was like, Go ahead, just put it back the way you found it. And I was like, Cool. Right. So, arbitraged um, the freaking full way, man.
1: Yeah. So, $50,000 mm-hmm. a month.
0: That was just off the five properties. I right. was still netting close to 20 off of the other five.
1: Mm-hmm. But I mean, it's pretty dope that that's like that guaranteed. It's coming in no matter what.
0: That guaranteed money hits a little bit different. Because <laughs> yeah. sober living, you're chasing down 10 dudes, and it's just a revolving door.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's a, it's a very interesting business model because you have to have one manager on the site mm-hmm. who manages everyone else, and you just hope that guy does a good job. Correct. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then so going from there, what happened after that?
0: So um, something very unfortunate happened. So uh, a buddy of mine called me and said, bro, do you have a spot available for me? My sober living, all of my roommates are getting high, and I don't want to get high. I don't want to die. I was like, bro, pack your stuff. I'll come pick you up right now. You can live with me for free. He came from the prison mentality, and he didn't want to feel like he owed me something. Two weeks later, he was murdered, wrong place, wrong time. And he had asked me if my sober living took, that's what I skipped that, if my sober living took insurance. And I was like, no, but you can come here for free. So I vowed right then and there to um, never let that happen to me again. And this industry is not like the real estate industry. Everybody I called pretty much gave me a pat on the butt and said, you'll find your way. So it lit a fire under me to be better than every single one of those people I asked for help.
1: And um, I mean, like dismissively, like, like, go, you'll find your way. Like, you'll figure it out. No. Like, they, weren't, they weren't helpful?
0: None. Not, no. When I came into real estate, breath of fresh air, n- nothing like I've ever experienced before. Mm. Well, with the community that we have here in Arizona. Um, but no, nobody would help me because they all had uh, close. Scarcity mindset. scarcity mindset. not mind of abundance. I'm going to take, I'm going to get their golden goose egg. I'm going to take their client and all of that stuff. So I sat down to uh, see how I can take insurance. And um, with Building that, learning all of these different things. I met with my uh, business, my ex-business partner, and she had this uh, – actually, my sponsor in AA was her husband. Mm-hmm. And my sponsor was like, hey, she wants to do women's houses. I was like, I have no interest in women's houses. I will show her. We can split the profit, and let's go from there. We opened up two women's houses, and she had worked for some of the largest uh, – Um, behavioral health companies locally. And so we connected, we both had the same mission vision. She reached out to her people. We found some consultants and me and her came together to build a uh, behavioral health company. And that just, we started in um, like November of 2020. Mm -hmm. And by the end of 2021, we started with two employees, two houses, and by the end of 2021, we had uh, 40 employees, 30 houses, um, almost like 80 clients in the first year. We, we grossed, uh, 18 million in our first year, uh, with the behavioral health company. And it was, uh, being heard that we don't know how to say no. Like somebody approached us, Hey, do you have a mommy and me home? We were like, we'll open one up tomorrow. Mm-hmm. And that was hard to figure out. We had daddy and me homes. We had LGBTQ. We had, uh, anything that people came to us and there was a need and it wasn't out there. We were, we would open it and figure it out on the back so end. So you're,
1: you're doing niche sober living homes.
0: So with the the company I was just talking about, so Behavioral Health, we had a commercial location. Um, so we have a lease on a commercial location. And in that commercial location, there's different services that you can provide, whether it be one-on-one therapy, group therapy, peer, peer uh, group therapy, Um, there's a there's a million different services that you could provide but we were providing those services teaching people how to be sober and with that we were able to provide a supportive housing if they came to us homeless we could put it in their treatment plan that we would have housing for them Mm -hmm. and so we had therapists nurses doctors everything on our payroll and they were providing the services and in return we're able to build the insurance for that what the individual had Mm -hmm. and so we were receiving money from the insurance company
1: yeah so 60 was it 60 employees No, 40 employees
0: 40 um em, uh, no no 60 employees 40 uh, 40 homes in our first year
1: what, what was that overhead like
0: overhead was insane um, again me I've never owned a business this size my business partner never owned a business this size and uh, it was definitely a learning curve and we just didn't know what we didn't know. Mm-hmm. And we went even harder the next year, 2022. Um, I mean, we ended up, after, uh, before we sold it, we ended up with uh, 100 employees, uh, 60 homes, and 120 clients. And we were already in uh, Nevada at mm-hmm. that time as well. Um, and the overhead on that, I mean, payroll, 200000 um, a week. Was it a week? It was It was crazy how much money was going out of our bank account every right. single week.
1: But it was profitable. So
0: um, Brandon uh, from Sharper like broke down the numbers. And my personal company that I didn't have all that overhead. I was doing behavioral health on my own with my own company. Mm-hmm. The net profit, and he just looked at me, it was 93% net profit. Mm-hmm. And he was just like, stop everything you're doing. Why are you focused on anything else? Focus on this. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, that company, it was still 50% profitable, net profit. Mm-hmm. Even with all the crazy, we had like a one-to-one ratio to uh, employee to client, which is I didn't agree with.
1: <laughs> right. So this profit, or this company that was a little bit more chaotic, was still running 50% mm-hmm. net. But your other company, was less, which was less chaotic, was 93% net.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: But you didn't know this.
0: I didn't know how to run those numbers. Necess- I knew how to get the net profit. But what I'm learning with Sharper right now is everything I skipped over. Mm-hmm. I know how to make money. I know how to run very fast. I know what I want it to look like. But mm-hmm. the steps in between, I I, I don't know. Yeah. But uh, with A big,
1: big plug in there for Sharper business.
0: Yes. Um. <laughs> So I started learning more and the stuff that I wanted to implement in the larger company I was implementing in this company and I, who, not how Mm -hmm. I hired a, uh, a gentleman who had owned businesses before, who was a independent therapist. So he could run the whole thing and had some business, uh, background Mm -hmm. and was teaching me stuff along the way. And so that company, again, 93% profit margin. And it was, uh, not, as big as that, and just as profitable.
1: I mean, ballpark. What kind of figures are you talking about, like mm-hmm. revenue?
0: So uh, I mean, revenue wise. So uh, we grossed eighteen million in our first year, twenty-two million in our uh, second year, and then my personal company. Um, I think we did. Uh, we grossed eight million last year. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So roughly, I mean, ninety-three percent profit on that. It's
1: what was – you had all this chaos on one side. I mean, what was what, what was that headcount over here? Because you were saying you didn't agree Mm-mm. with one-to-one. What was your headcount on the other side?
0: Headcount was small. And on this side, I the what I was hired to do was the business side and the um, back-end stuff. Mm-hmm. I hired somebody and trained them to do everything that I did, but the other business partner didn't uh, – she wanted to keep her hands in. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was running without me – barely I mean at all it was it was awesome over here I had 10 houses so I have 10 managers um, and uh, a therapist a psych doctor psych nurse and like two people to do peer-to-peer groups Mm -hmm. it was very minimal way leaner way leaner and I was able to use them for more things the house managers were able to teach groups if they had the right certifications and lot less headache Mm -hmm. one one building 10 houses that were close by and um yeah but it did i still came in um i didn't have to but i still came in every day to talk with Mm -hmm. people and uh run numbers
1: so this might sound really obvious right but why is sober living so important to you
0: uh, so my name, The Sober Investor, it's a play on words. I'm sober and I invest and I invest my time in people trying to get sober and I also invest in sober livings. Mm-hmm. But sober livings is where I came from. Like I can go do private insurance and make 10 times more than I'm making right now, which still might come. <laughs> mm-hmm. But um, the where I came from, I came from Maryville. I, I came from a broken home. I came from public funded insurance. Um, and that was what I had went through and I want to be able to show people that you can be successful if you where you it doesn't matter where you grew up at it doesn't matter your background your family the felons the high school dropouts it's it, it doesn't matter and it matters where you start now and where you go from here and I get an opportunity to do that um, each and every day yeah. so living is where I started and that is my passion my love but now that I've been in this thing we're now doing veteran homes. We have a, a program starting out, uh, kids aging out of foster care, uh, prosperity rising homes. Look those up. Um, kids aging out of foster care, veteran homes, um, assisted living. That's not just uh, for the elderly. Um, battered women shelters, uh, domestic violence. We have our hands in all of those Mm -hmm. and it's just to be able to help those individuals and see the ripple effect you're not just helping somebody's son brother father you're you're, I mean you're helping the entire family and the ripple effect that um, is hit from that is just it's crazy it's amazing
1: how many people do you think have you've kind of helped get back on their feet
0: we're starting to keep track of that now Um, but it's so our first year, we did 600 in the big company. Uh, we had 600 people come through our doors, and they stayed with us on average uh, three to four months. And then um, the next year, I think we did another 700. And then uh, with my personal companies with Silver Living, so it's probably another 1,000. Mm-hmm. Uh, and who knows how many people's lives that, that affected
1: All right. indirectly. So looking back to where you came up, where you are today and you're able to make this impact like how did how does that how does that all land
0: um crazy enough people are stuck in their like mindset so i try to go back to the friends that i have and try to go to reach the communities Mm -hmm. that i grew up in but a lot of them are closed minded and don't really want to receive the information and it hurts like even in my aa world like those are the people i want to bring up with me but they are stuck in their little little world and Um, so I connect with the people that want the help the people that reach out to me um, I always tell my guys that come into sober living, I'm not going to give you more effort than you give me, but I'm, I'll match your effort, seeing where you want to go on this journey and me, I'm vertically integrated. So if they need detox, I have a detox. If they need inpatient outpatient, um, if they need a, then when they're graduate from that, I have the sober living. And when they graduate from that, I'm a realtor, so I can get you a <laughs> rental or buy you a house, but I want to be vertically integrated so I can meet these individuals, no matter where they're at on their journey in their mm-hmm. life
1: still going back to though like you know the fact that these people are coming in and you're able to kind of give them direction and guidance not to say that you're doing all of it but you're seeing you're 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 directly involved uh at least partially involved in in their shift right and them coming out and finally making uh going the right direction in life what impact has that been for you
0: it's a huge impact. Uh, me, I always get the imposter syndrome, why me? But then I have all these people that reach out to me like, bro, like you're the guy. You, you I get messages, bro, if it wasn't for you, this, this, and this. If, if you didn't help me hear this, this, and this. Um, so it's just being there firsthand, seeing uh, some of the stories, seeing uh, the change, seeing the mm-hmm. smile, see a light light up in somebody's face. It's. Uh, it fills my cup. It is my why. It is my purpose. And I'm just glad that I found... Uh, a industry where I can pursue my purpose, uh, take care of my family. And I'm a firm believer if you're a a jerk before money, um, you're still going to be a jerk with money. But uh, making, uh, being able to make money um, puts me on a a pedestal, not a pedestal, it puts me at a place where I can help even more people.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, So if someone wants to get into sober living, Mm -hmm. How would they do that?
0: Uh, you reach out to me. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, I have the soberinvestor.net. Mm-hmm. Um, I also have uh, work with Sober Investor. Um, I'm, I'm JVing with people all over the country right. here locally. Um, it just depends. Again, there's so many different directions you wanna go. And usually I say if there is a nonprofit for it, then there's probably a need for housing. So I mean, uh, cancer uh, cancer survivors, cancer patients, uh, amputees, people in wheelchairs, there's so many different types of housing that you can do that's just not just sober living. If sober living is where you wanna be, I firmly believe that you have to have a passion for it or you're the money behind the person with the passion. Um, but I've seen people co- with the, the shiny object syndrome come in and they fail just because they just are looking for a check or looking for money. Mm-hmm. But if if sober living is a passion of yours or your family was affected by it or something along those lines, then great, let's, let's uh, collab, reach out to me and... Um, I would love to uh, teach you and push you towards the right direction to be able to get your first sober living or whatever type of housing that you're looking to do.
1: Let's say they're not ready to reach out yet. Okay. But they want to start doing this. Research. What kind of properties should someone be looking at?
0: So if you're just doing sober living, again, I don't want to mix up the two sober living is <coughs> is cash pay. So I get paid per bed. It's no government assistance, no insurance, no nothing like that. So sober living, I put 10 beds in a home and I just up my prices after three years, 200, uh, 200 per bed per week. So um, I want to be able to put 10 beds in a room or uh, in, in a house.
1: It's 10 beds. Does that mean 10 bedrooms?
0: Nope, 10, 10 beds. So there's some rooms. I just got a house license this morning. We did the inspection, passed the license. I had five beds in the master bedroom mm-hmm. because it's 50 square feet per person. So, again, the room was 300 square feet, so I could I could have put six in it if I wanted to, but mm-hmm. I put five in there. So you can look at four to five bedrooms, and um, you have to have that square footage here in Arizona, the 50 square feet. So you want your rooms um, bigger. Uh j- and I give a room to a manager. So if you're looking at a four-bedroom, a manager gets one of the rooms. So those other three rooms have to be big enough to be able to uh, have the square footage for 10 beds. Mm-hmm. So me, per- perfect world, uh, five-bedroom, three-bath, or five bedrooms and up. I have been focusing more on multifamily now. More heads under in one area under one roof is a lot more beneficial. Uh, so I've been looking at more multifamily properties mm-hmm. and um, – But five
1: bedrooms end up for sure. Five bedrooms, ideally. Um, This isn't Airbnb. Like, what kind of furniture are we talking about?
0: (sighs) Ikea, no. Uh, I can furnish my first house. And the first one that I got, it was a Goodwill special, man. I I furnished that entire five-bedroom house with $1,000. There was no matching silverware. There was no matching dressers. Um, The blankets were all different colors, Goodwill to the bone, and that was probably with a 20% off freaking coupon from Goodwill. (laughs) Now I average uh, about $5,000 to uh, furnish a five-bedroom home. Mm -hmm. If you're trying to do more amenities like the pool tables and uh, movie theaters and jacuzzis, then obviously it's going to be a little bit more. Is that important? Uh, I, I'm a firm believer when I first got into this, my goal was to be better than every other sober living out there. Mm -hmm. My first sober living experience, I was in a thing that they called a bunkhouse and they had 15 bunk beds, 30 dudes in a freaking room Mm -hmm. this size. And um, the next one I got graduated to was a bed on a twin mattress on the floor with bugs everywhere. Um, So I wanted to do better and be better than everybody else out there. The houses that I have that perform the best are ones that have pool tables, jacuzzis, p- swimming pools, um, and I'm a firm believer. I want to give them a product that I would be proud to live in. It it, it changes their mindset. Um, it gives them in a space where they're excited to mm. go on in their journey. So I want to give them the whole experience, man. This is a house that you can uh, you can own potentially one day or rent one day. This mm. is not so far fetched from reality.
1: Yeah. So furnishing now it's all cash pay. So you don't have to worry about insurance. How would you let people know that your place is available?
0: Uh, crazy enough and Sharper did not like it for this. All of these companies that I have spoke about today, not a single one had any dollar marketing wise behind mm-hmm. it at all. It was all word of mouth and Facebook posts. That is it. So, uh, and some flyers. So right now, we just opened up another five houses. So I have my managers posting every single day on Facebook. And then at all of the AA meeting halls, we have a flyer. Some of them old school pull tabs. Mm -hmm. I don't do the pull tabs, but a lot of people still do those. But just a flyer in all of the meeting halls. Facebook, there's uh, sobriety Facebook groups uh, all over um, I network with detox facilities, inpatients, outpatients, hospitals, veteran homes, uh, assisted living uh, facilities. I network with all of the people that kind of um, have some type of service for the individual that you are um,
1: yeah. catering to. You're just marketing to where you're probably going to be. Yeah. Which makes total sense. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I mean, zero budget marketing. My, maybe you could spend more, but 93% profit margin also sounds pretty good.
0: Uh, I was in Beverly Hills, and this guy, he's on a, a higher level than me, and he's like, bro, yeah, I was visiting, and uh, or I was there for my wife, and he's like, you came at the perfect time. and I was like, really? And he's like, I have people flying from Florida. They're a marketing team for behavioral health. And I was just like, awesome. And I was like, how much are you paying for marketing? He's like, right now I'm paying forty thousand a month. And he's like, these guys want me to do a hundred thousand. I was just like, I mean, obviously if he's spending it, there's a reason, and he's <laughs> he's definitely well off. But I was just like, oh my god, a yeah. hundred thousand. I was just like, even fifty. I'm like, man.
1: Yeah. So pretty low uh, vacancy rate then. I'm assuming. Right now. Uh
0: so I base all of my numbers on a 70% occupancy rate. Mm-hmm. And so if it's if I could have seven people in there and still make five hundred dollars off of my numbers, then it, it works. Mm-hmm. Um so vacancy right now, I mean we just opened up five homes, but before those five homes, I had three empty beds uh on a hundred.
1: Yeah, so vacancy is not so bad. Mm-hmm. Um so behavioral health is something else.
0: Behavioral health is something else. Um, It's insurance-based, and you have a commercial location where you provide the services. They do not allocate any type of money towards housing. We were able to give housing a part of their treatment plan, but we weren't paid based on the housing portion. Um, You can also do it on an inpatient level, but then there's a lot more red tape. You need fire sprinklers. You need 24-hour nurse and all of these things. Um, But, yeah, there's different uh, levels to uh, the kind of level of care mm-hmm. that you're able to provide at a residential level or, or at a commercial level.
1: So talking about the commercial I didn't I wasn't aware of the commercial element I knew you had a commercial building mm-hmm. but talk to me about the commercial element like it has to they have to stay in a commercial building or the treatments in the commercial building?
0: Just the treatment so our, our classes so they come to class and then go back home Got so it. the classes were anywhere from uh, three hours to eight hours a day depending on their uh, treatment plan. So they would come in and get their one-on-one, get their group activities in. We did fun events uh, every Friday, um, do their grocery shopping if they needed to go to the doctor, um, all of these different um, types of services. I mean, you can get really – there's some amazing stuff out there. There's a guy who owns a gym. He does – crossfit training Mm -hmm. he's able to bill insurance for the crossfit that he does um there's a guy who owns an art studio he does art therapy you can get paid from insurance uh pet therapy music therapy um there was a company my wife worked for and it was like a mentoring program she would go on to the reservation pick up her client and she would take them out to eat Mm -hmm. take them to the movies um, and take them to go do something fun and then drop them back off, and insurance was paying for that. <laughs> so there's yeah. so many, uh, depending what your passion is, I mean, there's so many options out there to help somebody mm. while also pursuing your passion and to be able to make a good living.
1: Um, so I know you have a, a, a higher purpose, going back to the numbers, between behavioral health and sober living, which one is the uh, –
0: Clear winner. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, Behavioral health. If you are willing to put in the groundwork where it takes to get you to that level to be able to bill insurance, Mm one hundred percent. The numbers uh, on a so last the numbers are not like this anymore. But last year on a three bedroom house, I was netting a hundred grand per house Mm -hmm. uh, with insurance. Right. Um, But not on the housing level, but with with numbers on the sober living aspect. Uh, I just changed my numbers, but at full capacity you're you're grossing seven thousand.
1: Um seven thousand or a hundred thousand.
0: Seven I mean, and saying. that's gross. That's net. This hundred thousand was net. And that was then
1: per hundred thousand net per three
0: bedroom property that I had.
1: Per month? Per month. Hundred thousand net per month. Per month. Not
0: like that anymore. It's right. uh, it's uh there's a lot of crazy that's happening uh in Arizona right mm-hmm. now and things have gotten capped. There's still a potential to make not that much, but I I hear we people are getting anywhere from three to five hundred a day per person right mm-hmm. now with the insurance thing, uh, depending on the services that are provided. Right. Sober living, you're grossing seven, mm-hmm. grossing, and uh, right now I'm averaging anywhere from two to three thousand net per mm-hmm. property.
1: Right.
0: Uh, with one of the states that I'm moving into, there's no licensing required. You can have three times the people as bedrooms. Mm-hmm. So walking into a, a five bedroom, I could put 15 people in there and their average is
1: 250
0: a week. Mm-hmm. And so you're, you're grossing 16,000 on one property, just changing states, doing the exact same thing.
1: Right. Um, so you were saying that the, the things have changed. Mm-hmm. The numbers aren't the same anymore. So what event occurred In Arizona where the things have changed? Uh,
0: A lot of misinformation was out there. Um, Everybody was just doing the same thing that everybody else was doing, and there was no really compliance with access. So everybody was thinking that they're doing the right thing, but there was a lot of other people doing the wrong thing. So there was a lot of body brokering, double billing. People were getting held for ransom. Uh, not ransom, but held against their will just so they could build the insurance. Um, people were feeding them drugs and alcohol to make them stay in the houses just so they can build their insurance. and people were billing too much, um, which is hard because the code that everybody was billing is, if you go into the accesses uh, book, it says that this code you can bill fair market value for. And it's, that's to your discretion. Who's to say what fair market value is? Right. For these services that I'm providing to state-funded insurance, if I go to the private side, I can get $20,000 a day. But since people were billing too much fair market value, companies are getting shut down left and right. Mm-hmm. And so uh, the code that everybody was billing, um, billing wrong, it was, again, it was fair market value, you could bill whatever, but now it's been capped. Uh, just to give you a, for instance, I was getting anywhere from a thousand to two thousand a day per person. Mm-hmm. They have now capped it at one hundred and fifty-six dollars a day. Mm-hmm. That one code. So two thousand one hundred and fifty-six. It just got chopped down, and that just happened in May.
1: Yeah. Uh, still more than the sober living.
0: Still more than the sober living, but there's a lot more risk, a lot more overhead. Um, but I'm still actively um, doing behavioral health, sober living. Um, sober living is just easier to get into it's easier to scale and um, people reach out to me all the time hey i want to get into this and it's easier to jv with somebody on a sober living first mm-hmm. and if they like that then we can talk about moving going up
1: <laughs> right uh, and you said private insurance is something that you're not doing yet but maybe on the fence like what would private insurance look like
0: so private insurance so me again i come from maryville and it's just appealing to that demographic. So, I mean, the company, my wife worked for, they had a helicopter pad on the roof, a resort backyard. They have private chefs, masseuse. They have oxygen bars, IV bars. Like it's a whole other world of services. If somebody is paying, there. right. If somebody's <laughs> paying 20,000 a day, your insurance is maybe paying half of that and you're paying the other half out of pocket. So you have to appeal to those individuals that have that kind of money, what do they look for? Reverse engineer. Well,
1: this is kind of like what you see with um, the Celebrity, what well, was like the Betty Ford Center. Yes, yes. Yeah. So and you those get, are crazy. Amount. You want to get the private insurance. You got to be like the Betty Ford Center in like Hollywood.
0: I mean, I know some that are not that extravagant, but when I think private, I'm thinking like I'm going all out and I'm giving them everything.
1: Well, yeah. Um, I mean, the money you're getting, you can justify giving them everything.
0: Yes. Absolutely. So, and right. that's the cool thing too. When when we were making that money from the state funded insurance, it gave us more of a b- ability to pour back into our clients. Our um, our motto is the client comes first. Mm-hmm. We get guys coming out of detox in paper gowns. Our first stop is uh, to a fast food restaurant to get food in his stomach, and then I ask him what size what size clothes do you wear. Then we're stopping at Ross. I'm getting him. Underwear, socks, I'm getting him clothes. I give him clothes so then now he can feel normal. Then I asked him, I was like, do you want to go get a haircut, man? Do you need cigarettes? Do you need anything right now? And um, when we do the intake process, we try to see what their goals are. A lot of companies out there, You, it's just – a. Uh, It's just a process. Like, they have to do that for paperwork, and then they never look at it again. Us, when you give us your goals, if it's to get your ID or to get your kids back or something like that, we're going to work actively work on getting your goals done and hit and met and try to freaking get them back to freaking reality. Not reality, but on life's terms, man.
1: There are many ways you're mentoring them, too.
0: Oh, 100%. 100%. And it's cool. um, Even with my AA guys, I still sponsor guys, but with the stuff that I've learned in my mindset stuff and my uh, business coaching and all of this stuff, Mm -hmm. people, it it excites me when I get a sponsee that wants to be an entrepreneur and wants to learn uh, how to be sober and learn how to live in AA. So I can now freaking give him pointers on both sides. It's awesome.
1: And you can tell them the read Miracle Morning. And they tell them it's not getting Every up early
0: single, enough. That's the, the go-giver <laughs> and Miracle Morning. Here you go.
1: It's Awesome. Um, so you also started a nonprofit. Mm-hmm. What, is, what is this? Uh,
0: so I started Soul Revival, Inc. Um, it's soulrevivalinc.org. And the nonprofit, again, me, I just want to help everybody. So mm-hmm. when I was setting up the nonprofit, they were like, you have to have somebody. Who, who, what is the demographic? I was like, everybody what is it that you're going to do? Everything. And they're like, you can't do that. So they made me pinpoint down. But uh, right now, um, actually today, we have a food pantry that's open to the community. Uh, We feed anywhere from 60 to 100 people every Wednesday from one to three. And then we're actively, uh, with the real estate connections that I have, um, if you have some furniture that was left behind in a hoarder house or one of these properties that is usable, you can call me up. We have a truck. We come and pick up the furniture, and we are furnishing about two apartments uh, a week right now. Mm-hmm. Um, we did have a homeless uh, homeless house that we were getting the chronically homeless, which is five years and up, off of the street. But that was a lot more than we knew um, the three guys that we did ended up put, putting in that house we had to shut down the initiative but the guys that we got off of the street asked can we take over the lease on this mm-hmm. and I was like really it Says they got jobs that we ha- we did resumes for them we got them the clothes um, we helped them uh, with interview questions we did the whole nine with them and they all got jobs um, working in the behavioral health field and all three of them came to me and said can we please take over this lease and I was like Absolutely. And they're yeah. still in there today.
1: That's very cool. Yeah. Um, what's your biggest struggle right now?
0: My biggest struggle is uh finding the who not how. Um with again with Sharper coming in, they told me I had to do XYZ because if it were if it if I didn't hire them, I would have started another eight companies, not knowing what uh the the foundation. <laughs> and they told me that I could not start another company until I did XYZ. I finally did all of the things that they asked. I again, I'm instant gratification and I uh, have unrealistic expectation when it comes to time. When they told me XYZ, I was just like I'll have that done in a week. Mm-hmm. It took three months. Um, and so I just hired a new operations manager. Um, I hired a new VA and now that I got all those done, I, already had the website and everything built out I wasn't supposed to but I couldn't help myself so yeah. I already had everything built out ready to freaking launch mm-hmm. um, so I that was like two weeks ago and I was just in uh, Texas last week and we're uh, I think we're taking down four properties for sober living we already have two uh, we have one aging out of foster care home and then mm-hmm. one veteran home already
1: that's awesome yeah um, you know when we uh, one of the first things I was pushing you on, was creating content, and you hated it. Mm-hmm. You want to talk about how you felt about it when, when you started it? Still don't like it. Mm-hmm.
0: Still don't. He, uh, my media person, uh, he pushes me every single day. Mm-hmm. To just shoot a video. Just shoot me a picture. Just shoot this. Um, I even have a whole studio similar uh, in in my house, and I don't. I don't. Um, last month we drew out a bunch of kpis um for him to hit for me to hit mm-hmm. and so um i went to a mastermind recently that broke a lot of my paradigms down and gave me permission told me pretty much told me i am normal if mm-hmm. i'm around uh high level people mm-hmm. i am normal but to other people i'm i'm not normal right. and it broke down a paradigm i actually paid for my first mastermind I'm trying to get on your level, I'm freaking. I don't know. You pay like a million a year for your masterminds. Not quite. <laughs> um, but I went to my first one and I fell in love. Um, yeah. And it broke down something in me. I was like, I'm going all in. So um, we're going harder. Uh, I'm hoping to start a podcast this month. Um, we're holding a real estate mixer every month now, and we have
1: KPIs to hit. Um, what was the paradigm? Was you said that you're normal? Was- um
0: business partners that I've had in the past uh they ask me when is enough going to be enough mm-hmm. and me and I'm just like I'm thinking like I'm a piece of crap like cuz I want to go open all these businesses mm-hmm. and they don't want to come with me and thinking me working 15 hours even though I still have the struggle with the Mm -hmm. wife and family, but um, just giving me the permission, like you are normal, just have that upfront contract and you can have those partnerships Mm -hmm. and let them know you're going to go do this 10 more times Mm -hmm. and feel okay with it, get all that out in the front. And I was just like, okay. And then uh, it was Pace Morby's uh, mastermind and he had Laura freaking come and spit her knowledge on the, the wife side of things. And I'm like, oh my God. Recording every moment, sending it to my wife. No. <laughs> mm-hmm. but it was just I am normal. It's normal to move at a pace that I do, right. and to get partnerships that will be okay with me opening up twenty other things without them.
1: Right. Well, I, I was the reason why I'm remarking on the on the media thing because you are really opposed to it when I kept mm-hmm. pushing you. Yeah. And notice today you showed up with your yes, your camera guy.
0: Mm-hmm. He's been with me now. F- I mean, he's. I've been with him for 10 years. My vaping company, he came up with the logo. And we worked, we met at the restaurant, Z Tejas, and then I reached out to him when I, you started telling me the media thing. And I had him, um, but I just didn't spend time doing it. But now he's, he comes into the office every day. Mm-hmm. We shoot something every day um, and trying to do a lot more of the content.
1: Yeah. So they've asked you the question, was enough enough? Do you have an answer?
0: It's not. uh, So when is enough is enough? She was pretty much coming at me like this isn't enough money for you. It's not about the money for me. If I can go open up a company and go hire 20 people, change their life completely and have a facility Mm -hmm. that is going to change the lives of hundreds of thousands of people every year. Why wouldn't I do that? Right. And if there is a need in something that you're not, fo- if there's a need in the veteran and whatever it is, if there's a need for it, enough is never enough. Like mm-hmm. there's always more people that need help. Right. And so again, it's not about a money thing to me still today. I'm, I'm successful, but I don't, it still hasn't, I don't know if it's clicked or whatever. It's mm-hmm. just, it's not, I'm still the same person. Uh, I might drive a nicer car, but, um, It's not about the the money thing to me. I've lived, my wife and I again. We lived on thirty thousand dollars in a year between the two of us. There was no going out to eat or no new clothes, but and that's with three kids.
1: Yeah, I would say. I mean, having known you through this journey for the last few years, pretty much the same person, just a little more confident today.
0: It it still takes a while. Still the uh, the confidence thing. People coming to me. I did a coaching. 12-week coaching program and a person came to me and said they got more from me than they did from this Mm -hmm. and I was like oh my god and now I have people constantly reaching out to me to coach to mentor to Mm -hmm. guide to do all these things and like why me like whoa, no
1: yeah
0: it's uh I'm trying to get better at uh being acceptive of it and
1: well I mean definitely worthy of it right and like you know you've Brawled, bought your way here so definitely definitely worthy of it uh what is your superpower
0: my superpower is just being a visionary being able to see um what I want to be done and know it can be done and to be able to risk it all mm-hmm. on it because if somebody else is doing it that means there's a will there's a way if that dude can do it then I'm going to find out how to do it, it My, if I don't leverage their knowledge, I'm going to hit a couple of roadblocks, but I risk it all and know I'll be successful no matter what venture that I do. Yeah. And to be able to get into some of the right rooms, talk to people, network with people, even though I'm getting better at that, um, it just always seems to fall in place to find the right person.
1: Yeah. I mean, I see you're pretty active, right? You're still always out there networking, mingling, this and that. Um, I see mean, like, it looks like you're still staying in touch with Zach, which I think is, you know, is great. Um What would Kendra say is your superpower? Uh,
0: Probably the same thing. She tells me each and every day. My mind works 100 miles faster than regular people. Mm -hmm. So when I see a situation, I'm able to to freaking just spit some stuff out. And she's like, I don't don't know how you do that. And just the work work ethic. Um, Mm -hmm. I wake up now. I wake up at 3 a.m. every morning. Yeah, every morning, 3 a.m. Sometimes two because I can't sleep because I'm learning something new. But uh, 3 a.m. every morning, um, do my miracle morning mm-hmm. still to this day. Um, but j- it's the work ethic and to be able to, I guess, just the knowledge that I'm able to implement. Um, she doesn't see how she, her, some people are meant for entrepreneurship. Some people are just better at W 2 employees. Mm-hmm. And she is a gangster. I mean, she moves up really quick wherever she goes, but mm-hmm. it's not. For her, but she trusts right. me no matter what. That's good. <laughs> That's
1: great. Uh, what's your biggest regret?
0: Uh, bring it, biggest regret. Regret. Even though it got me to where I'm at today, um, starting drugs at such an early age, um, it robbed me of my childhood. Um, I am a high school dropout, but the reason I was a high school dropout, all I needed to do was draw a picture, and I would have passed. Uh, I would have got my diploma. My mom was in prison. My grandma had just passed away. Nobody was going to watch me walk. Um, and I could have been a lot better. I mean, in basketball, um, just it robbed me of my childhood pretty much. Um, so I didn't get to live much of a, a childhood. It was all adult stuff pretty quick. Um, what's another regret? Not getting sober sooner. Um if I got all of this done in such a short amount of time, if I would have grabbed this 18, 17 or mm-hmm. whatever and got sober sooner, I think my life would have freaking, I'd be a little bit further.
1: But, I mean, do you know that for sure?
0: Not at all. I was just thinking, like, I might have met you. It was just, there's a lot of events that led up to where I'm at now.
1: Yeah.
0: So if I look back, it does suck. But would I
1: change anything? No. Right, because I mean, part of it is like, we talk about childhood trauma, you know? And like, I've got, we're talking about you and your upbringing, right? And how like you had really major adversity dealt with. I didn't really deal with very much adversity, right? Like my life has been pretty good. I think a lot of people would trade places, right? For the upbringing that I've had, right? But we all have our different traumas, right? I just had extreme pressure, you know? You get ninety eight on uh, on a test, like what the hell were you doing? Why were you wasting all your time watching TV, right? Like it was just a different type of adversity. Um, and again, I know it, it, I might sound weak saying like you know this is what we dealt with, uh, but we all have our scars and they show up differently. And so for you, you've got massive scars. You know, uh, can't see it looking at you, but obviously, you know these these are gigantic emotional scars. And I'm bringing this up is that a lot of what we do, is a direct consequence, of our childhood trauma. So, I don't know, right? Like if you had a normal upbringing, you might just live, an ordinary life, and that there's anything wrong with it. But you wouldn't have the life you have today.
0: I uh, I mean I was born with the entrepreneur, so something would have happened, but not maybe not as amazing as it is mm-hmm. now. But yeah, there's. Well, it's I mean, hard just think
1: to about say. All the Look at it another way, too, right? Because you got a lot of skills that you got to practice. Mm -hmm. Right? One of my most viral videos was how I hired drug dealers. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Right? Because you got sales, negotiation, marketing, conflict resolution, right? Financial bookkeeping, although you struggle a little bit with financial bookkeeping.
0: Oh, my God. (laughs) Horrible.
1: Right? But you have way more negotiation rights by the age of 18.
0: When I came in here, I let you know. I think I let you know I was a felon, and you asked me point blank. Have you sold drugs before? It was, like, in the interview. That was one of the interview. Have you sold drugs before? I was like, I don't know how to. Yes, yes, I have. I mean, that was one of your things even back then. Uh, Because, again, the negotiation, the sales, the.
1: You got more reps. Yeah. Yeah. So I know, like, it's tough, right? Because it's it's a regret, but at the same time, like.
0: Not a regret, but, I mean, it sucks, but. Mm -hmm. I wouldn't change it.
1: Yeah. Uh which failure did you learn the most from?
0: Failure. Uh can't think of a failure. Failure. Um I can't think uh well give me the for instance,
1: uh A lot of people would be like bad partnerships. Oh flips. okay, there you go. That's uh, all you had to say. <laughs>
0: all you had to say. So um, that big, beautiful company I had, I mean, we had a, a, di- a dispute of uh, the way things should run, but um, that partnership, oh God, a year later, I'm still uh, messing around with uh, things that I should have been in the contract that are now in all of my contracts, but partnerships, I've been hurt by every single partner that I've had, except for one. Um, and I've made them millions of dollars and they still end up screwing me um, pushing me to the side and um, but partnerships has hurt me the most right now um, just because I I'm a giver I go all-in I'm freaking loyal to the bone and um, when things shift and it doesn't go uh, they don't hold up to their word or mm-hmm. their true colors start showing when money starts coming in mm-hmm. um, so what's an
1: example you can share
0: of the bad partnership. Mm -hmm. I mean, just with the, the big company, um, difference in opinions. And just because we didn't have that upfront contract, I was doing stuff on the side that I had to do. She didn't want me to do them, but I still ended up doing them because I wanted to help more people. And that hurt feelings. And, uh, she ended up finding that I was making a whole lot of money without her. Mm -hmm. And that made her feel some type of way. And that's what really uh, wedged um, something in between us. But I'm, oh my God. So I was the one with good credit. So the credit card was in my name. All the houses in my name, utilities in my name, all the, everything is in my name. And year later, I just got a bill from Cox, for $15,000 for a lease commercial property. I don't even know where that I was like, Oh my God. And my name is on it. Mm. Uh, when we split up, there was a Amex credit card bill, $300,000 in my name. And I don't want that credit. I worked really hard for my credit. And so who had to pay that off? I had to pay that off. Yeah. And I keep running into those nonstop, man.
1: It's funny, right? Cause I remember you and I had lots of conversations. About this
0: partnership. Yes, we sure did.
1: Right? And Mm -hmm. like, well, what's the right thing to do this and that? And it's funny that she's upset later on that you do this other thing. When you wanted to do those things at this company, and she kept saying no. Mm -hmm. Right?
0: A a bunch of ventures. uh, But she was, the other business partners that we had, um, she was more, um, she, she liked our, valued them and their opinion more than mine right and so AJ, and then that kind well, of they had more one.
1: experience or whatever right but yeah but the fact is she's upset you did this other thing mm-hmm. but you tried doing it over here and she kept saying no right if you kept getting vetoed over here like what were you supposed to do
0: right and she's the main one who drilled that into my head
1: when is enough gonna be enough mm-hmm. and i'm
0: like oh god right so then i have to look inside myself like am i am i the
1: wrong one here yeah, am i the jerk yeah yeah i was like <laughs> what the heck So I know you mentioned it earlier, but what is the book you've given the most, uh, given away the most?
0: The Go-Giver. I mean, Go-Giver, and I kind of hand them out almost at the same time, Go-Giver and uh, The Miracle Morning.
1: Why The Go-Giver?
0: The Go-Giver, just the principles in that book are, again, they match uh, hand-in-hand with the AA, what you're taught in AA. Mm -hmm. And I am proof that I wasn't expecting all of this at all. Owls I had was in mind was helping somebody, and I freely give my time, I freely give uh, resources, I freely give knowledge constantly. And the more I give, the more it, it yeah. comes back. Right. Um, 100%.
1: Yeah. I mean, just talking about GoGiver, you know, like it was easy to see. Yeah. Like, yeah, you're able to, you know, join our, our community, our network, this and that. But you also went out and hustled, right? Again, like, you know, like you were talking to Zach Keeves, you're going to the meetups with Brandon Simmons you're out there making the connections, right? Like you went out there, you you did all the hard work to make this happen.
0: It was uh <laughs> it was hard. Um especially the oh god, the 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 real estate part um was the, the you sink or swim. I mean, you come with the knowledge and I'll give you so you have to learn your own stuff. Mm-hmm. And so that was hard and I'm trying to focus on the sober living thing, but with a Zillow connection, I, I sold nine houses my first year, not even trying. Mm-hmm. And then the sober livings, I got ten in my first year. So start focusing uh, more on the sober living. But the connections, um, your network is your net worth. And mm-hmm. that that fortieth birthday party I, I bartended of yours, like I I wanted that, whatever that was, and however I to get next to you. I was going to do whatever that was. Mm -hmm. And, uh, just with the people that you have on this show, all of the freaking heavy hitters on this show, the people that you brought into the office, the trainings that you did, the Chris Voss, the Darren Hardys. I mean, it all played a huge role and it was teaching me the networking and the, the waking up early and that, uh, habits. It was very crucial. So you, are very vital into pushing me into those directions to be ready to receive information and to be on a level where my mindset uh could go to that next level
1: yeah i mean it was i'm really grateful that you were there for that night because i actually mean that's one of the best memories i have right that's one of my best nights just being surrounded by all your friends and family right celebrate your 40th birthday in some super cold right it was still kind of cold that night uh with ridiculous views of paradise valley but yes. it was really cool that, to have you there so I want you to think about uh a message you'd like to leave all the listeners with uh gonna make a couple of quick announcements um guys we do have our sales leadership training uh coming up matter of really now it's a week and a half away so if you guys are are on the fence at all i definitely recommend you guys check it out uh we got ren bartlett he's doing almost a million dollars a month in wholesaling fees he's gonna give you the blueprint right on how to do that so if you guys Haven't checked it out yet. I highly recommend it. Text LEADERS to 33777 and see if you want to come out. Again, figure out how to do a million dollars a month in wholesaling. He's got the blueprint. Um, How can someone get a hold of you? I'm sorry, what are your last thoughts you want to leave everyone with?
0: Last thoughts. Um, Again, it doesn't matter where you grew up. It doesn't matter your background. Again, me, I'm a... I was a meth addict at age 11, um, three felonies, high school dropout, homeless multiples of times. I didn't let that stop me from anything that uh, I wanted to accomplish. So don't let your background, where you come from, or the hindrances that you may have uh, have occurred in your lifetime. It's about where you start now and the action that you start putting in now. Nothing can stop you. I know people that... (laughs) went to prison for murder that have multi-million dollar companies right now. Um, not saying that you should go do that, but don't let uh, your background or anything hinder you from your goals, your dreams, and to um, move forward with what you want to do.
1: And that's perfect. And that, Again, like that's the reason why it was so important to me to have you, you share your journey, you share your story, to let everyone know like your past is not define you. If someone wants to get a hold of you, what's the best way?
0: I uh, got the soberinvestor.net. If you want to JV, coach, get mentoring, we have uh, work with Sober Investor. Um, and all social media is all uh, Sober Investor.
1: Cool. Thank okay. you. Thank you so much, man.
0: Thank you, man. This is awesome.
1: See you guys later. Shout out to Steve Train. Jump on the
0: Steve Train. We real estate disrupt us.
1: So um, I promised you something some time ago. Yes. And then I didn't have it ready. Okay. Right? So we're going to do this instead. Okay. You're good?
0: I, I don't know what it is, but... <laughs>
1: this is for you. Right here.
0: Oh, I just asked and you act like that. Was... Dang. That is beautiful. Ooh. So, Steve... Uh, One of the first questions I asked in uh, one of the classes, I asked him, how do I become one of uh, your millionaires? He said, give me three years. And I was determined to do it uh, before that time, and I ended up doing it in half the time. Yeah. So sober investor. That is, got goosebumps. That's awesome.
1: We sort of waited three years to give it to you. We didn't want to rush that.
0: Yeah. (laughs) Didn't want to rush it. Oh, my God. Thank you so much. Ooh, I got a spot for it, too. You earned it, man. Thank you so much. That's awesome. I just asked you. You were like, oh, yeah. I don't <laughs> worry about it. <laughs> <laughs>